Well, take your Bibles this evening quickly and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. This is the second in our series of vision casting. And uh, you can follow along this evening with us in the outline, fill some blanks in, and then we'll get to that sheet that we gave you called Connections Ministry, Christ, Church, and the Community. And uh, I wanted to read to you a portion of Scripture give you an illustration, and then Dr. Sheard is going to come and give you some illustrations, and then actually I'll preach the text. It's a little bit different. Sometimes you preach the text and give illustrations at the end. We're going to do it totally backwards tonight. So let me read our our text for you this evening, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 23. He says, Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone, to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law. So as to win those under the law, to those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law, to the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I might share in its blessing. More and better followers of Christ. It's all about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's all about bringing people to a saving relationship of Christ and then then helping them to grow in a deeper relationship with Christ and then them turning around and bringing others to Christ. It's cyclical. That is what God is asking us to do. And one of the people that have done that in the past is certainly Hudson Taylor. And we've given you his picture tonight just to tell you a little bit uh, about him, a missionary to the... uh, Orient, and you can look up there. One of the pictures is a picture of him before he went and while he was there. But while he was there, you will notice on your left, he doesn't look the same, does he? Because when he got there, what did he do? He dressed like his culture. He fit in with his culture. When you read his autobiography, when you read stories about him, you will find out that he learned to eat. With chopsticks, he learned to eat the food of the country. He learned to blend in with them. And why did he go through such a radical change? I'll tell you why. Because he wanted to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what it was all about. And uh, I had a, I had a lunch, a lunch today with uh, Bob and Carol Givens, and, and I was just listening to them talk. And he was talking about this very thing I'm talking about tonight as a missionary when he went to the mission field how he had to blend with the culture. What was the purpose? Again, to reach people with the gospel of Christ. So, Dr. Sheard has been on the mission field, was a missionary, Haiti. And uh, so I asked him to come tonight and share some some things with us about this thinking and about this principle of Paul. So he's going to give us some illustrations this evening. Is this on here? Okay. Uh, You love me, right? Not yet, we don't, right? I, I want to just show you what it's like to have to adjust, to change, to reach people. Okay? I want to show you what it's like to have to adjust and change if you're going to reach people 
for Jesus Christ. This, uh, oh, by the way, I want to just tell you something. Do you know, we don't have a picture of his wife. You know, Hudson Taylor wanted to marry somebody, and um, she, it didn't work out. So he ended up marrying a missionary kid who was born and raised in China. Did you know this? And when he decided to change his clothes and go into the interior and leave his mission behind and live by faith without any uh, hope of financial support from men because he was going against all the traditions that were around him, and he put on Chinese garb, he dyed his hair, he, he uh, made it into a ponytail, and his wife... A lot of people don't know this about his wife. What did his wife do? She grew up in China. She put on a peasant's dress, and when she did, it was the first time in her life that she ever wore a Chinese peasant dress because, of course, she was uh, British, and uh, she had to come down to the people. That's what Jesus did. He left heaven, and he was born and some prickly straw in a manger. At least if there was straw in there, it was prickly. But at least he, he wore swaddling clothes. If we're going to reach people, we're going to have to change. Do you agree with that? Paul said it to the Jews, I'm like a Jew. And to the Greeks, I'm like a Greek. Was he two-faced? No. He wanted to reach the Jews, so he talked to the Jews like he was a Jew. When he was dealing with the Greeks, he talked like they were Greek. He was raised in Tarsus, the seat of Stoicism in the ancient world. He knew Greek philosophy, and he could talk to people like they're Greeks. You can talk to people like you're a Christian, or you can talk to people like you're somebody who grew up in American culture. So this is what I'd like you to do. Everybody fold their arms. Some have already have them folded like this, right? Okay, now, I want you to look. See, my left arm is on top. What's your, uh, left arm's on top, right? Now, I want you to change and put your other one on top. How does that feel? How many of you had your left arm on top? Okay. And sinners? <laughs> now, is it wrong to do it the other way? We're about 50-50. It's not wrong, right? But it's uncomfortable. Now, if Pastor Dick asked me to do something and he, he's my boss, I'll say yes. Now, I might not like it, it, but it doesn't make it wrong. It might make me a little uncomfortable, right? Now, if we change the church a little bit, will you be uncomfortable? Some of you probably will, all right? So let's try this again if I didn't make my point. I want everybody to fold their hands. Okay, what pinky's on the bottom? Okay, okay, and I want you to switch and put your other pinky on the bottom. How's that feel? You can't, you can't even do it right here. <laughs> Is it comfortable? It feels, for some of you, it's okay. Now, listen, this morning I sat right here in this pew right here, and I noticed the same person was in front of me and in back of me uh, tonight. Same place. Do you guys count your pews? I'd like you all to stand up. You do love me, right? Stand up. Okay, now, this is what I want you to do, all right? I want you to grab your stuff. 
I want you to find some other place in the sanctuary and I want you to sit next to somebody that you don't normally sit next to and might not even know. Do it quickly. Don't, don't delay. Do it quickly. Preferably if you move forward and not backward, that'd be better. <clears throat> Okay, this isn't social hour now. You know what I noticed? The most obvious thing that just happened there is that everybody starts talking and smiling. Not everybody, most people. Some of you are like this. This is what you're like, right here. Right? Now, how about those of you with children? Uh, anybody got any small kids? Was, was that, uh, was it a little extra work there for you? Make sure you keep your people together, right? Didn't get separated, right? The bigger your family, the harder it is to adjust. How about some of you older folks with the more regal-looking hair? Sometimes you don't like that, right? You don't want to move because you're used to, you're comfortable, right? But the reality is, it's not about you. It's not about you, and it's not about me. One of the things I asked my, I asked my wife, um, when you we went to the mission field, what was the, your biggest, now this is the person I'm married to, we've been, you know, eight plus years uh, in the Amazon and in the French Caribbean. Uh, I asked her, what's the biggest adjustment you had to make? And you know what she told me? She said that I wasn't the center of things. And it wasn't about me anymore. And it wasn't about whether I liked the music or I could worship there. Not only that, you think this is hot. Just think about if you're in the Amazon and when you get out of church, you're in a, under a, a tin roof and it's 98 degrees out and 100% humidity every day. And everybody in the Haitian culture gets dressed up to go to church. And most of the men and leaders, they all wear suits. And so that if you're a missionary, you've got to do the same thing. And you're just soaking wet. And you know how, how they greet they kiss. You kiss hello, and you kiss goodbye. And if you're the missionary, everybody wants to kiss you before you go. So everybody's dripping with sweat, and they're all coming up and kissing you, one cheek on the other, this side, and, you're, and you just want to get home and take a shower, right? But you know what? It, it wasn't about me. It wasn't about me. And uh, I want to tell you a couple stories of um, this you know, there's a theological term. It's called accommodation. That's what Jesus did. Accommodation. He changed. Uh, he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Right? He assumed human form and loved us and came and became like us. Did he compromise himself? 
theologically when he did that? Did he? Did he become a sinner when he ate with the sinners? No. If our church is going to reach sinners, we have to learn to be among them without sinning and without compromising ourselves. It is possible to accommodate without becoming an emergent church. It is possible to change the way you function and still remain doctrinally sound. uh, And you have to be careful and slow about what you do. You don't want to just do uh, whatever's out there. One of the things that happened to us when we ended up in Martinique is uh, when we met finally as a first time as a small group with our uh, fledgling church, there was a young girl there. Her name was Tifa, Tifa Peters. She was from Belgium, and um, she was living on a sailboat because she couldn't afford an apartment and he, she and her boyfriend were living on a sailboat, and she was pregnant. She was a Christian, and the man she was living with was not a Christian. And so we started to talk to her about um, breaking up with this man and not living together because he was not a Christian, and that wasn't God's plan for her life. She knew that. Her life was miserable. Everything was, about this was all wrong, uh, besides the fact that this man wasn't a Christian. And we were faced with, a, with a, an issue. If we really loved her, we would take her into our house because nobody else had space and nobody else was willing. So for six months, this girl lived with us until she had her baby. And then we found her apartment and we got her furniture and got her set up. Um, do you think that's comfortable when you first arrive and you're trying to plant the church? Is it easy to minister to the unbeliever, believers? It is inconvenient. And uh, whenever change takes place in, uh, in church life, uh, it's uncomfortable for some of us. You know, for some of you, you're like my dad. I get on the phone with him. I call him every day, and I get on the phone, and I say, Dad, today, I said, how was church? Church was terrible. The music was terrible. The preaching was terrible. There was nobody there, you know, something like that. Um, he's 91. I love my dad, and uh, I don't know why they sing that music, right? Well, some of you probably don't like the modern music, the contemporary Christian music, and pr- some of you young people, whenever they say grab the hymnal, you, you grab the hymnal and you, man, why do we got to sing out of a hymnal, right? Is it about you? Uh, isn't it about the Lord Jesus? And it is about others and, and the people he loves. Um, you know, I learned to worship in French. Uh, so much so that even to this day, I would rather put on EXO, which is a contemporary French Christian CD, than let's turn on the English radio. God changed me. I mean, I didn't, you know, 15 years ago, I didn't know any French. Bonjour, something like that. God can change you. Um, maybe just one uh, last thing. One of the most... Um, uh, memorable things I have, I have it in my memory of planting a church was out in this town called Konyo. <clears throat> I would go out there and meet for Bible study, and this guy 
he uh, had a half-finished house, and in the backyard he had this little, kind of like a grape arbor, but there weren't any grapevines on it. It was just four poles with some tin on the roof. And I was sitting here looking at these water bottles that are empty. We were singing, we were singing these songs, and I saw an empty water bottle. It was on the ground like this, and I, and I, I thought, well, you know, we need some music here. So we were singing. I opened the top, and I stuck in some stones like this. And uh, Nikki, you want a good idea? Is Nikki here? Yeah. You want to be a missionary? You say, all oh, your kids can be missionaries. And I made a maraca, you know? And these Haitians, they thought that was the greatest. When I visited there two years ago, one of them that's helped us start that church, he got up and said, what I remember about Dan Sheard is when we, we were out there in Konyo, we were starting our church before we had our building, he wasn't ashamed that we didn't have any music. He just reached over and grabbed a water bottle and he put some stones inside and, and uh, he did this. Now our culture, maybe we need a worship band, maybe we need drums. To me, it doesn't matter. You know, the Lord's broken me so many times. I'll, I'll praise the Lord, holy, holy, holy. That'll touch me more than the worship music, usually. But it isn't, it isn't really about that. It's really about praising the Lord with whatever the Lord gives us. And this passage that Dick's going to teach on, um, Paul is more concerned about someone else than he is about himself because he can be a Jew, he can be a Greek. He does all things to all men that by all means he'll gain some, right? Thank you, Dan. Thanks for sharing those things with us tonight. When we think about this portion of Scripture, the the question I want to ask you is, should we imitate Paul's strategy? Should we as a church and this century and this time, should we imitate Paul's strategy? And so maybe we need to look at what did Paul say. And so go over to chapter 10, if you would. Chapter 10, the very next chapter of verses 31, 1031. And actually what you have is sort of a synopsis of what Paul has been writing about here, where he's talking about not offending the weaker brother. And then he's talking about reaching people with the gospel of Christ. And he gets to the end of chapter 10. And this is sort of a commentary on what he's written. He sort of wraps it all up. And he says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews or Greeks or the church of God, even as I try to please everybody in every way, for I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be what? So that they may be saved. Paul's own commentary on what he has written about the weaker brother and the stronger brother and then about making sure that he becomes all things to all men so that some might be saved. He gives you this and says, this is what it's all about, that we do it all to the glory of God. That in all of this, God gets the glory and that through that, some come to know Jesus Christ as, our, as their Savior. So the answer to that is yes. Yes, yes, it's okay to keep Paul's strategy today. What is Paul aiming at? Go back there into 1 Corinthians, and he shows you what he is really aiming at. Why has Paul made himself a slave to all men? Though, again, look there in verse 19. Though I am free 
and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone. Here's Paul saying in this portion of Scripture, I'm willing to be a slave. I have the right to be free, but you know what? I'm going to become a slave to other people. I'm going to yield myself for a purpose. It wasn't just no purpose. He said, I'm going to become a slave. I'm, I'm, why? And he gives you these reasons in verses 19, 20, 21. First he says, so that I may win many. In verse 20 and 19, he says, to win as many as possible. I will become a slave. I'll give up all my rights that I have so that I might win people to Christ. In verse 20, he says, so that I can, I'm going to give up everything that I have so I can win Jews to Christ. In verse 21, he says, I'm going to give up everything. I'm going to become a slave. I'm going to give up my will so that I might win Gentiles to Christ. And then he says in verse 22 that I'm going to become a slave so that I might win the weak. And in verse 22, he says, I am going to become all things to all men so that I can win some. So he lays it out there for us. That was his aim. And, you know, when we look at that last verse, and I think this is important for us to to point out today, um, this evening, he says, To the weak I became weak. I have become all things to all men, so that all possible means I might save some. And I want to talk just for a minute about that word save that's in the text and ask you, do you really believe that? Do you really believe that? What are we saving people from? Romans 5, 9 says, what are we saving people from? We are saving them from the wrath of God. We are saving them from the wrath of God. Every day, people are dying and going to hell all around us. People that you work with, people that... The lady that delivers your mail, the, the, the people that you talk to at the gas station, people all around you are dying and going to hell. They're, they're going to have the wrath of God upon their life. And that's why Paul's saying, listen, I'm willing to be a slave so that people will come to Christ. Really, nothing else matters in this world. Listen to me. Nothing else matters in this world except people coming to Jesus Christ. Do you know what the chances are of somebody in their 70s or 80s coming to Christ that Jack led to the Lord this week? Statistically, statistically, there's like a 5% chance that somebody that old will come to Jesus Christ. But this week, in God's great Grace, he brought two men to Christ. And do you get excited about that? Do you get, do you really get, do you realize those two men this week escaped the wrath of God? Does that do anything for you? Are you more worried about the Phillies losing right now than about people dying and going to hell? I, listen, listen, church, this is what Paul's saying. I'm willing to give up anything to be able to reach people with the gospel of Christ. And he, and he says they're saved from what? They're saved from the wrath of God. And we're to win them to what? To eternal life. Five children this week, five children on Friday night, because of our workers there in New York City, they gained eternal life and escaped the wrath of God. What does that do for you? What does that do for you? Does that excite you? Does that really excite you when you think about that? You know what? Listen to me. 
I share this with you, the, the greatest thing to me in ministry, and, and, and there's a lot of things that I really enjoy, but the most fun part of ministry for me is when I have the privilege of bringing someone to Christ, and then when I have the privilege of meeting with them on a weekly basis and discipling them. You know, Jim, Jim and I meet every week for lunch, and Jim Dotson, and we go out and we eat, and, and uh, we, we've been discipling. You know, I never even mentioned anything to Jim about baptism. I never said a thing. I mean, we're only in lesson four, and he's been moving right along. And the other day, as we're driving back from the restaurant, he says to me, he says, Hey, Pastor Dick, do you think I should be baptized? You know, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. I never even talked about baptism to him. I just said, we've announced it here that we need to be baptized. And you know what? Man, I'll tell you, when Jim got out of the car, I had a Holy Spirit revival in my car. I shouted all the way through that trailer court, just praising God for the work of the Holy Spirit in Jim's life. That was Jim. That was God that brought him. Those are the things. And listen to me. Listen, we have a lot of sour Christians. And you know why we have a lot of sour Christians? Because we don't have many Christians winning people to Christ. You win somebody to Christ and you disciple them and you won't find anything to complain about. I guarantee you. I guarantee you that. Man, when you win people to Christ and you have the privilege of meeting with them and discipling them on a week-by-week basis, everything else becomes so small. It really does. Ask Joe, ask anybody who's brought somebody to Christ and and then had that privilege of discipling them. There is nothing more exciting in the Christian life. I remember my dad. I remember my dad coming home and my dad, he was a crier. He cried about everything. And he did, man. I can remember the day he sat across the table from me and just wept and wept. And, and I said, Dad, what, what are you crying about? And he said, well, today at work, he said, I had the privilege of leading one of my secretaries to Christ. He said, I've been working there 25 years. This has been the greatest day of my work at Delaware High School. He said, it was tremendous. He said, it's the best thing I've ever gotten. And he said, by the way, I got a raise today too, but that doesn't make any difference. He said, somebody is going to heaven. And then he had that lady come into church and got another lady and him discipling them together. That was one of the highlights of my dad's life. And so what is it about? It's about saving people from the wrath of God. It's about winning them to eternal life. And do we really believe the wrath of God is coming? Do you really believe that? When we look at this, do you really believe that God's wrath is coming? If we truly believe the wrath of God was coming, we'd do anything that was in the bounds of Christ and his word to reach people. Can I tell you what's been hard for me? And my wife will tell you this. It's been hard for me not to wear a tie on Sundays. You say, well, why don't we put one back on? Because then you'll feel more comfortable. I've wore a tie all my life. From the day I was born. I was born with a tie on, really, seriously. That's how my mom dressed me. But, but our culture is a little bit different today. It is. And so I'm, I'm, I'm willing to get over that. So what, because it's really not about a tie. It's really about how, how are we going to reach people for Christ? And if that makes them feel a little bit more comfortable, then, then we're going to do that. And that's not sinful. Now, don't ever think that we're going to do anything sinful here 
we're going to do make sure everything we do is within the bounds of the word of God. We're never going to step out of the bounds of the word of God. And you know, that was the apostle Paul also. He said, I'm not going to step out of the bounds of God's word, but I will do anything to see people come to Jesus Christ. Paul said, I'll be a slave. I'll give up all of my rights. Just like Jesus Christ did, gave up all of his rights and came here to earth to die on the cross for our sin. Let me give you a biblical example. Take your Bibles and go to Acts 16, if you would. Let me give you, I think, which was one of the greatest examples of Paul's I'll become all things to all men. In Acts chapter 16, Paul and Barnabas are about ready to depart and they have a little argument and Barnabas and John Marco, a direction Paul takes Timothy and they head off. And before they even take this missionary journey, in Acts chapter 16, it says that he came to Derby, verse 1, then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was a Jewish and believer, but whose father was a Greek. The brother at Lystra and Icom spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in the area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. And they traveled from town to town. They delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey, so that the church... Churches were strengthened in faith and grew daily in number. See, that's where we get that from. They what? They were strengthened and they grew daily in number. And why? One of the reasons was because of a young man named Paul, or a young man named Timothy, who was willing to adapt to the culture. That culture of Jewishness. Paul said, listen, we're going to be speaking to Jews and I don't want anything to offend them. I don't want anything to stop them from the receiving the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, Timothy, I'd like you to be circumcised. Let me remind you of something. I have just four quick things there. First of all, this was before the days of medicine. Timothy is a young man here, and uh, probably in his early 20s, and Paul asked him to go through a very painful procedure. He asked him to take one for the team, if you would. I mean, they didn't have morphine back then. They didn't, you know, give you an anesthesia. Probably gave you something to bite on, and then they cut away that foreskin. It was not a pleasurable thing. I'm sure it was uncomfortable, not just going through it, but for days that followed, it was very uncomfortable. And yet he was willing to do that. Why? For the purpose of the gospel of Christ. He was willing to do it. He was willing to go through something very uncomfortable for him for the purpose of reaching people for Christ. And I realize, church, listen, I realize I am asking from all of us to do some things that are uncomfortable. I know that. But really, listen, it's not about me. It's not about Pastor John. It is about reaching Elizabethtown and Middletown and all of this area with the gospel of Christ. That's really what it's about. If it's not about more and better followers of Christ, if it's not about reaching people and discipling them, then we ought to just close the doors of Mount Calvary Church. We're not a social club. We are set here for to be a missionary in this field that God has placed us. And he, he, it was that. Not, it, he, and the second thing I want you to see, he was free from the law. He, didn't, he was not obligated to do this. 
He was not obligated at all. This did not add one thing to him spiritually. It didn't add one thing to him spiritually at all. It didn't make him any more spiritual because he was circumcised. Not at all. But he was willing to go through with it. What? Not for himself. He was, in a sense, to be a slave to the Jewish people so that he could reach them with the gospel. This was for the sake of the ministry of the Jews. This was for the sake of the gospel of Christ. He was willing to do it. Let me ask you, would you be willing to go through a, a, a medical procedure so that someone else could come to Jesus Christ? Would you be willing to do that? That is dying to self. That's what this portion of scripture in 1 Corinthians is all about. It is about dying to myself and looking how I can meet the needs of others. Whether it's music or dress or it's time or it's my... It's, it means visiting or whatever it might mean. And you know what? When we talk about even going into homes and visiting, that's a very uncomfortable thing. But we have a great opportunity. We had, we had 90 kids on our property this week, and probably about 40 of them are unchurched. And we took a picture. We took a picture, a five by seven. Uh, I think it's five by seven. And we had them made. And we're going to use it because every one of those kids who don't have a church... We're going to take that picture, we're going to knock on their door, and we're just going to say, hey, listen, we want to thank you for sending your child to our basketball camp. Here's a camp picture that we wanted to give to you. So we just stopped by to drop this picture off to you and say thank you. Oh, hey, by the way, do you attend church anywhere? What a great opportunity. Doesn't have to be a long visit, just to come by and say, hey, we have a picture. See, the picture is the what? It's the hook. That's why we did it. And so you know what I need? I need some people to say, hey, Pastor Dick, I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to take, you know, one evening and make two or three calls just to stop by and drop off a picture. And if the Holy Spirit's working to even take the opportunity to share the gospel and just give them some information about the church, I'd do that for the purpose of the gospel. I wouldn't be real comfortable doing it, but I'd be willing to do it. But see, it's not about us being comfortable I don't think it was comfortable for Jesus Christ to come into this world like he did and to die. It was very uncomfortable. In fact, you know what? You don't believe that? Then read the portion of scripture about the, what he prayed the night before he died when he said, Father, if there's any other way, then let this cup pass from me. If there's any other way, God, then please. If there's any other way for man to be reconciled, then let it pass from me. I really don't want to go through this, God. That was Jesus' humanity speaking. It wasn't comfortable. And I don't see where Christianity is supposed to be comfortable. I see where it's just to be the opposite. It is about dying. A slave, being a slave is not a comfortable place to be. But Paul's saying, I'm willing to be a slave. It's a very uncomfortable place to be. But he says, that's what I'm willing to do. Are we willing to do that? Mount Calvary Church, are we willing to do that? Let me just share with you quickly the second part, and you can take out the sheet of paper now. The second part, on the first part, is the, on the other side was our first impressions. We went all through that last time. Let me tell you about the second part of our vision that we want to present to you quickly before we head over for some ice cream. We want to start... In September, a ministry called Starting Point. 
And, you know, we have a lot of people on this property on a Saturday playing basketball or playing football. A lot of those people don't have churches. A lot of those people aren't saved. You come across people in your area all the time. And, and the reality of it is if somebody comes here from another church, like those two families that visited today, they walk in and they are looking for something totally different when they come to the church. Like a couple of days, they were looking for expository preaching, and they found it, and they were excited. And they, they didn't have any problem feeling like they fit in here. Now, I don't think sinners, they should feel like they fit in in the preaching of God's word. That should be convicting to them. But how are we going to reach them? How are we going to make them feel maybe comfortable enough to hear? Well, one of the things we're going to do is during the Sunday school hour, we want to have a class called Starting Point. And it's for three people. It's a, it, for three different types of people. It's for the searchers who are curious about Christianity. It's for the starters who are new in their relationship with Jesus. And it's for the returners who maybe they've been away from church or they've been away from Christ, but they need a refresher course. And so this will be, and I'm going to look for three couples. So one couple will take that class and it'll go for about 10 weeks. And then there'll be a break and then the next couple will take and they'll start a brand new class for 10 weeks. But it's all about introducing them to Christianity. What's Christianity all, what's it all about? And so, you know, we live in a totally different society today, a totally different culture. People aren't brought up in church anymore. You know, it's not like it was back in the 50s and 60s. It's really not. It's totally different when you go out to present the gospel. You, you, you know, you used to, people used to know at least who God was or they'd heard about Jesus. That's not the way it is today. People don't even know who Christ is. They don't even know who God is. And so what do we need to do? Here's what we need to do. We need to have a place, what we call starting point, where they can come in and they can hear that laid out for them. And so we want to do that. And so once they've gone through that 10 weeks course, and hopefully during that 10 weeks, they're going to come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Because that's one of the things, when they're coming to that class, we're going to be praying for them weekly that they would come to know Christ as their Savior. Now here's where a lot of churches fail. They just drop them. Now this week, we had another grandchild. And it was really neat to to watch Solomon be born. And uh, I noticed when my daughter-in-law got him home this week, the first thing she did was brought him in the house and walked him through and said, this is your bedroom, here's your diapers, took him down to the refrigerator, opened the door, said, here's the milk, here's your bottle, you get it anytime you want, it's yours, the refrigerator's always open. This cupboard is where the baby food is, here's where your spoon is, have a good life. I'll check on you every once in a while. So I know we stopped over, and he's already feeding himself. And <laughs> was watching television yesterday, I think. Do you think that's true? No. He doesn't know anything. All he knows is that he's hungry, and I need somebody to feed me. That's all he knows. He's relying totally on his mom. And so when somebody comes to Christ, we need to be able to follow through with them. And so we have been praying, and we have material and so maybe you win somebody to Christ. And my prayer is that you, you will win people to Christ. And so what do you do once you win them to Christ? You just turn them over then to Dr. Sheard or to Pastor John or to me. No, God wants you to do that. 
He wants you to follow. Who, who else better to follow up with them? So we have material. And no matter what age, for adults, we have a great, great series. It's called One-on-One Discipleship. And it will take you through, and you can see all the things on your sheet that you cover by going through on a weekly basis with them. You can do that. Now, I've been taking Jim. Where's Jim at? He was here. There he is right there. I lost him. Jim and I have been going through another book called Abundant Life. And it's a good little book, but I think this one is really good. So, Jim, when you finish Abundant Life, we'll get you started on this one, okay? See that? I love it. All right. Now, this is what we need. This is what we need. We need people who will just say, okay, man, I led somebody to Christ. And so give me one of those books, Pastor. I want to take them through, I want to take them through that. And then for, for teenagers, Pastor John has a great series that's called Now Grow. And you can see there what it's all about. It's all the different lessons are in this material here. And so you can see right down through there all the things that are covered. Does God really love me? What does Jesus want for me? What is, what is God like? All of those things are covered. And then maybe you have children. And, and we have a lot of moms and dads who win their kids to Christ. And then after you win them to Christ, the great news is you have Mount Calvary Christian School and Mount Calvary Church who's supposed to disciple them, right? They're all once, if they're coming to this school, it's Dan Sheard's job to disciple your kids. Is that true? No, it's not. Oh, okay, it's Mrs. Bird. She's a great teacher. She'll disciple those kids. No, it's not. It's your job. It's your job to disciple them. So we have some great material for ages 6 to 9 and 9 to 12 called Awesome Adventures and uh, by Carl and Sarah Bastian. And uh, Carl Bastian, if, if you want to know anything about him, just go to a place online called Kidology. Anything to know about kids' ministry, Carl knows. Phenomenal. And this is some great material. It even has 3D glasses that go with this. It's fun. Mom, Dad, you can wear your 3D glasses, and the kids come. That's how they get their answers, with their 3D glasses. So it's neat. So this is, this is for moms and dads. You, you win your child to Christ, then listen, you disciple them. And, and here's the material we're, we're saying. Here's what we've looked at, and we've looked at a lot of material, and we think this is the best. And you know what? Even if you want to start really small, here's the best book to disciple your kids because the whole Bible is the story of Jesus. There's no better book for your kids to disciple them than this here that we give out at baby dedications now. But we've laid it out for you. And this is what it's about, church. Listen, when Jesus gave the Great Commission, he said that we're to go and get people saved, period. Is that right? No, he said that we're to go and make what? Disciples. I always say, listen, it's fun to be an obstetrician, but it's work being a pediatrician. The obstetrician, he gets to see all the births and it's all exciting, but the pediatrician, he gets to what? Work with the kids all the time. And so listen, it's about all of us discipling. It's about all of us taking people deeper and a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. It's about seeing them come to Christ, seeing them grow in the relationship with Christ. And during that process, 
anytime during that process. We want to, what do we want to do? The Bible says that we're to go and not only make disciples, but we're to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Baptism, scriptural baptism, dunking people. That's what it's about. That's what we want to do. And so we want to see people anytime during this process here, we want to see them follow the Lord in scriptural baptism. And then our next process of when you're thinking it through, what do, what do we do? What, what does it look like at Mount Calvary Church? It looks like bringing them to Christ, and maybe it's through starting point, or maybe it's through you leading them to Christ, and then putting them in starting point, and then, and then it's about discipling them personally. It's about seeing them baptized, and what's the next step? It's then getting them in a small group where they can have community, where they can have that community and really get to have others who are supporting them, encouraging them. And then the last is what? It's to help them to grow through service. It's to get them involved in serving Christ. Because when you're serving Christ, you know what? You are ministering alongside of others and you are going to grow. And so there's a process that we're thinking about here. And, there's, and we've laid it out for you here. And this is what it's about. You say, well, that's nothing new, Pastor Dick. I came tonight thinking there was this going to be some earth-shattering revelations. No, I'm sharing with you what God's Word says. That should be earth-shattering enough. This is what it is. This is a process that we have to do, church. And I'll tell you what, as your pastor, I'm, tell, I'm going to stand before you and say this. If we don't see people saved, and we don't see people discipled, and we don't see people growing, then I am failing, and you are failing. It's the truth. Because that's why we exist. We want to bring glory to God? What brings glory to God? And I'll tell you what, was when people come to Christ when they grow in their relationship with Christ, and when they turn around and they bring people to Christ. That's what it's all about. That's why we exist, Mount Calvary Church. See people come to Christ, grow them deep in the word of God, and then see them serve him and turn around and bring others to Christ. That's why we're here. So here's our process and we want to encourage you to get involved and we're going to give opportunities and share things, but and we have some great opportunities to see this process work. And so our vision, when we talk about our vision, our vision is our first impressions ministry that you read on here. And then our vision is this process here at Mount Calvary Church. It's nothing new. It's nothing earth-shattering. It's simply what God's Word has called us to do. But we need to be able to see it and have it laid out of how we're going to do it. So, that's what we want to talk to you about tonight. That's what we want you to pray about and uh, be thinking about it. Paul said, what? I'm a slave. I'll become a slave to people to reach people with the gospel of Christ. The illustration is, I even go through surgery if that's what it means to reach people to Christ. It's not comfortable. It's not comfortable to witness. It really isn't. I'm asking you, church, to do things that aren't comfortable. I know that. But I'm asking you to do what Peter did. You know what Peter did? We can complain a lot about Peter. 
But Peter was the one disciple that got out of the boat, wasn't he, when everybody else stayed in the boat. It's a lot more comfortable staying in the boat than it is getting out and water walking, isn't it? So what am I doing? I'm asking you to get out of being comfortable, church. It's, it's not about coming here and being comfortable. It's really about coming and being uncomfortable. Why? So we can reach people with the gospel of Christ. So get out of the boat and walk on water with me. Let's see people saved. Let's see people grow in their relationship with Christ.